Ignition sequence start. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Liftoff! What's up, guys? Welcome into another episode of the Take It to the Tips podcast. I'm your host, Matt, alongside Jeff. What's going on, buddy? Not much. What's going on with you, bud? Oh, nothing. Uh, coming back from our little mishap from last week. My power went out, so that was good, but uh, it's all it's all right now. Uh, did you have a storm or something? There's lots. It rains like every oh. day. Yeah. Really? Yes. I didn't realize we had different, you know, climates and stuff were both in the same both state in the same state probably what hour and 45 minutes apart maybe yep has it been raining a lot down by you no are you are you lying to me storm else for for a day you seriously had a lot of rain and stuff bro it rains like every single day like half the day no, like phoenixville is no, Phoenix is consistently sunny, really nice out. Um, nope, like our climate here. is 10 degrees warmer than uh, like an hour north. So, okay. Well, yeah, we didn't have any of that. Well, that's nice. But yeah, I did. So uh, we so missed a week. Yes, we missed a week is what it comes down to. Um, so uh, nothing else really going on with me. Yeah, we have a little bit in the works uh, that will impact me as a PT in the future, but I'll make sure I... I, uh, that's all worked out before I actually announced it. So we'll get to that at a later date. Uh, but anything else going on with you? Uh, no, not really. I guess I'll announce my stuff when you announce your stuff. Ours is kind of pretty similar, but I haven't been golfing much. I think I golfed nine holes since we last talked, um, just for the fun of it, but have you been golfing at all? Not, not a ton, not a ton. I must say. I probably played I probably played one round maybe since we've also last talked. So not a lot of golf. So, hmm. Yeah, but I want to get back into it. Yeah, life gets in the way, doesn't it? It, it does. And I don't even have a kid. Yeah. But anyway, yep. we'll dive into what we're doing today. So our prior topic was we kind of dove into the mental game after John Rahm won the US Open. Um, and now this week. We'll dive into another kind of common injury topic for golfers. And it is the true me, the true name of it is your rotator cuff. It's not your rotary cup. It's not the whatever else anybody else calls rotor it. cup, rotor cup, yeah, rotary, cuff, whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever fun stuff yeah. people call it rotator cuff. It is. Um, so without further ado, we'll dive in. Obviously, all the social stuff, not really much going on, so I don't have to announce all those today. So the rotator cuff, what is it? So it's basically just a, I was about to say big, but it's a relatively small kind of group of muscles that act as like stabilizers uh, for your shoulder joint. Uh, and it's a big time injury that we've seen a ton of golfers. Uh, I looked at a study from the early 2000s, I think it was. Uh, I looked at a little over 400 golfers 85 of them had shoulder symptoms and then 79 of those 85 with shoulder symptoms were rotator cuff or subacromial impingement, but we'll dive into the differences there, but yeah, that's kind of what's going on with the shoulder. Mm -hmm. Anything else you got on the uh, intro to the RTC? 
No, so I, I usually think of rotator cuff injuries as more mechanical pain. Um, so like if we took somebody and we did resistance testing with them, um, where we asked them to do different motions and we kind of resist them and they have reproduction of symptoms. That's where I really start to think about the rotator cuff. Maybe there's other stuff going on like a bicep tendonitis because the bicep does some shoulder work. But generally, if, if somebody has pain, like lifting their arm out to the side or kind of bringing their hand away from their body, I, I start to think about the rotator cuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's very commonly diagnosed, very commonly talked about. And unfortunately, it's also very commonly addressed via surgery. And of course, we gen generally are anti-surgery unless necessary. So we'll certainly dive into when is that appropriate? When should you consider that? Yeah. And a lot of times when people hear rotator cuff, they immediately go to rotator cuff tear and the rotator cuff kind of injury is a huge spectrum from a small strain to partial tears to a full thickness uh, tear. And for the majority of rotator cuff injuries, uh, surgery, like you're kind of just talking about surgery is typically not necessary and it can be healed kind of conservatively with therapy and then kind of preventative maintenance afterwards. Yeah. Fortunately people kind of throw the word tear around um, and sure it's appropriate, but there's multiple degrees of tears, right? You can have a, a very low grade micro tear, um, which I would call a strain just so people don't freak out about it. Right. So it's a muscle strain. Your rotator cuff is a muscle. It's also tendons because muscles have tendons. Um, but you know, I think strain comes off a little bit nicer to people versus a partial tear because they start to freak out and think that they have to have that surgically addressed. So if I'm talking to one of my patients, I might refer to it as a strain unless I really think it's a full thickness tear. Yeah. And typically we're going to, we're going to know if it's a full thickness tear, there's going to be certain things that you simply can't really do if it, you have a full thickness tear. Yeah, it's, it's funny because if you have a full thickness tear, you most likely don't need an MRI to confirm that you have one. We can do some simple clinical tests that we can pretty closely tell you, pretty close, like 90%. We can tell you, yeah, you've got a full thickness tear. That should be an MRI just to rule out anything crazy going on. But if, if we think of a full thickness tear, we can pretty accurately tell you you do. Yeah. So looking at kind of the mechanism of injury, especially in golfers, um, I'm sure you've probably seen more golfers with kind of rotator cuffs than I have, because I'm not really treating a lot of golfers at the moment. Uh, but when I kind of think of it, I, I figure that a lot of it is going to be more so on that leading shoulder. Uh, is that typically what you're seeing? Yeah, and you would be correct about that. So according to the statistics and research that TPI has compiled, it's much more common to have a lead shoulder injury than it is a trail shoulder injury. And just thinking about the mechanism of injury, I start to think about what the lead shoulder does versus what the trail shoulder has to do during a golf swing. For your backswing, your lead shoulder has to really horizontally adduct a lot. It has to go across your body. Because there's not a ton of trunk rotation that occurs during your, your backswing. Sure, it has to rotate, but your, your left arm for right-handed golfers has to go pretty straight across your body. Versus when you 
do your follow through, you'd think, okay, well, doesn't your trail arm have to do the same thing, but not really, you know, your, your upper back and trunk really rotates a lot. Your hips rotate a lot to kind of get that arm through. Whereas, you know, your lead shoulder, even through your follow through has to do a lot of external rotation. It has to get up into, you know, a higher position. Um, and, and a lot of times your lead shoulder is more so driving your swing more so than your, your trail shoulder. So yes, you are correct about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just thinking about the golf, when you just golf, wing, golf swing, it just feels like that lead shoulder is doing a lot of movement, um, through like tons of ranges of motion, um, does a lot of, obviously you have the horizontal adduction, uh, and mm -hmm. it just feels like that's more of the guide than it is, uh, that, that lagging shoulder, um, especially you're putting it on full stretch, coming through the backswing and then kind of, uh, that, like you said, it really kind of drives you through your downswing. Um, so it's going through stretch and contracting and there's a lot that can happen after that. Right. And you also mentioned, you know, this isn't directly rotator cuff, but it, we see this go hand in hand a lot with the rotator cuff injury. And that would be the, uh, the impingement syndrome. So impingement syndrome is really caused by just the kind of constriction and the compression of, of the shoulder. So that horizontal adduction is a lot of compression. So even when it does go across your body, you are causing an impingement mechanism of injury followed by really quick explosive contraction of the lead shoulder and those, those rotator cuff muscles to start the, the follow through and the downswing. Um, obviously the, the, the downswing and the follow through is more explosive than the takeaway is. So there's certainly a lot more lead shoulder muscle work that goes on during that than there is trail trail arm muscle work. Yeah. Yeah. And then you think about like, so we're talking about the impingement position. So horizontal adduction, basically. So if you stick your arm straight out in front of you and bring it, well, if you're golfing, just think about if you're putting your arm all the way out in front of you and bring it, just your left arm, I'm going to mess this all up. You know what? Pretend everybody's a righty. We're all righties. All right. So if you're a right-handed golfer, Jeff, on mm -hmm. the lefties, I'm sorry. You could just get out. We're uh, used to it. We're exactly. Used to it. Yeah, exactly. So if you're a right-handed golfer, which is the whole world, uh, put your left arm out, cross it all the way across your body. That's horizontal adduction. Then you're going to add a certain amount of flexion to it as well to give you that kind of get your club in the, I guess, slot you can call it, which kind of further impinges it. Also, there's some like internal rotation added to that as well. And all of those mechanisms just put all of that. And there's a lot of stuff in this small little anterior part of your shoulder. Um, so there's a lot of stuff and all of this is kind of just getting cramped down on. And then, like you said, explosive downswing immediately after that is just uh, it's all the ingredients for a strain or some type of impingement syndrome to that area. Yeah. And, and just going back to what the rotator cuff is. So your rotator cuff really has to work hard in pulling your arm out to the side. We call that abduction. It's basically lifting your arm. Again, let's start with that left arm. You just pick it up to the left side of your body and hold it out maybe at like 90 degrees. And that does a lot. That's, that's basically where your rotator cuff has to work the most. It also does some rotation, um, pulling your hand away from your body. It helps with like reaching behind your back, but that's essentially what the rotator cuff does. So when your arm is at the furthest in your backswing and you have to initiate across your body, that rotator cuff really pulls a lot. Um, 
it also does like you said a lot of stabilization of keeping the head of your humerus inside of the glenohumeral joint inside of the, the shoulder socket so not only do you have that big explosive mechanism of starting and initiating your downswing you've also got the ability to stabilize your shoulder when you're finished in your follow-through and you're you know you're about to do the the twirling of your club because you hit it so well um you know right through your follow-through that picturesque follow-through that we all have Mm -hmm. your rotator cuff is stabilizing your your shoulder inside of its joint so it doesn't just completely fall out of its socket yeah exactly so yeah we're talking about a little bit of the impingement and then figured might as well dive into some of that stabilization as well so like we said rotator cuff is a so you have different types of stabilizers for that shoulder joint so you have some ligaments um and some other things in there that uh are more static stabilizers stabilizers so they don't really move as much they just kind of keep it all locked down the rotator cuff is what we refer to as a dynamic stabilizer. So it kind of stretches and moves and opens. It does what it does, what muscles do. Uh, but through repeated backswings and doing that golf swing, however many times any golfers do it, you're going to stretch that rotator cuff too. Um, so overstretching it could cause a little bit of uh, shoulder instability as well. Uh, especially if that kind of posterior, shoulder capsule is just too much stretching to those rotator cuff uh muscles which are like i said the dynamic stabilizers so at some point that's another area that can be injured i feel like a lot of the times even myself i think of assuming a lot of that rotator cuff pain is mostly going to be the impingement style that we talked about like right Mm -hmm. in the front because i feel like that's what i've seen probably the most with rotator cuff injuries um and I haven't seen as much on the backside with that overstretching of the muscles, but that's something that you got to look out for too, as well, uh, especially in golfers. And it's important to understand that your lead shoulder, both shoulders really have to do a lot of work in slowing down your arm and slowing down the club, right? Sure. It's explosive, but all that explosive movement and that high velocity has to slow down. Otherwise your swing is never going to stop. Um, so yeah, it does a lot of what we call eccentric work. It it does a lot of slowing down your arm. Um, so that's just, it's even more work that your rotator cuff has to do. Yeah. I know, I know currently I'm treating a golfer who has lead shoulder problems and his is more of like an impingement pathology. Um, he also has, I don't know, something weird. It's, it seems like calcific tendonitis, um, on his lead shoulder, but you know, it's, it's keeping him from golfing. Um, he also has some bilateral hip tightness, which I is most likely contributing to like you and I have talked about your whole body is connected. And if he, his hips don't move as well as they should, then he might have to compensate more at the shoulder, Mm -hmm. which leaves him at, at higher risk for shoulder injuries. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you think about it. If your, if your hips aren't turning enough to get you into a full backswing, something's going to have to compensate. So it's either going to be your back. It's going to be your kind of T-spine or it's going to be your shoulders to try and add a little bit more into that backswing. And every time you add a little bit more, that's not really supposed to be happening and you're compensating. That just puts you at a high risk for injury. And then somebody's got to work it out and let you know what's going on. And that's when it comes down to us. 
Yeah. Um, there was a really good interview with John Rom who recently won. Uh, I'm lacking sleep, so you're going to have to. You're open, buddy. I am so freaking tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he recently won and he just had this really nice interview where he was talking about he had club feet when he was born. And we might play this clip during our next uh, our next podcast. But he had club feet when he was born and 20 minutes after he was born, he had to have it fractured and realigned and they kept casting him. Um, so he talked a lot about how his trail leg is like a centimeter and a half shorter than his lead, his lead leg because of this issue. So there were certain compensations that he's had to make in order to have a successful golf swing. So we'll probably play that during the next podcast, just so the listeners can hear it. He's a big TPI guy. So he really understands how his body works and the limitations he has and the, the compensatory mechanisms that he has to do in order to, um, you know, make a good golf swing. So we'll play that next time. But same thing goes with the shoulder. If, if my golfer's hips are not, rotating enough which they aren't you know he's got basically some tightness in his hips that doesn't let him rotate into his backswing enough he may have to horizontally adduct more he may have to lose his posture a little bit and put more strain on the rotator cuff yeah for sure i had no idea any of that was a something that was going on with john rom when he's a baby so good to know yeah yeah, we'll play that next next podcast. Cool. All right. So anything else really on mechanism injuries that you've seen or anything else that you feel like we're missing before we dive into a little treatment? No, not really. I, I mean, I, the last thing I would say about it is if anytime I treat a shoulder, I'm probably going to make sure that there's enough thoracic um, movement, you know, uh, enough upper back movement that again, not compensating because anytime somebody is dealing with a pain in, in a certain joint, you like to look at the joint directly above it or directly below it. And that would be the upper back and neck. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that's one of the things we definitely learned and definitely had a lot of success with is seeing people with any type of shoulder pathology, just kind of clearing that T-spine or implementing any type of kind of manual treatment to see if we get a little bit more uh, mobility in that T-spine to hopefully help with some range of motion or just assist like we said, with those compensatory mechanisms that might be going on with the shoulder. Mm -hmm. um, so getting into a little bit of the treatment of rotator cuff injuries. So like we previously said, conservative is almost all of the time is going to be the way to go unless you have like a full thickness rotator cuff tear or there's just something that you've gone through PT, you've gone through other conservative treatments and just hasn't been getting better then that's a good time to go for a potential surgery or have a second opinion. But to go right to the knife is almost I can almost certainly say is not the way you want to go. Uh, according to a lot of the research um, for partial thickness tears, PT is as effective, if not more effective and successful than, than surgeries. Yep. So yeah. Why, why go and quite frank, frankly, rotator cuff surgery is a really difficult surgery to come back from. Yep. The, the rehab just sucks. It really stinks. Um, so if you can avoid that, you know, why wouldn't you at least try it first? Mm -hmm. is, there, is there any tests or something that you would do during your examination that could determine if somebody has a full thickness rotator cuff tear or a partial tear? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you're looking at, first, you're kind of looking through some range of motion. Um, 
it's the kind of arc of motion. You're looking at bringing it, you can put your arm down to your side, bringing it straight up overhead. Now, if you're not able to get it up very high, that's kind of telling us that there's a pretty significant tear there. Um, now there are other, are other muscles that can compensate a little bit, but if you can't bring your shoulder past say, I don't know, probably 40, 50 degrees of, uh, shoulder abduction. Um, you probably got a fairly significant tear there. Uh, if we're just looking at some impingement areas, there's another test where you can bring your arm kind of straight out, bend at the elbow, push down at your hand, and it's going to put you in that kind of impingement position. Um, and then there's just a couple, a couple different strength tests that we can see if those specific muscles are annoyed. Um, again, there's a lot of special tests that we know that aren't super special. Uh, and I'm sure what I'm talking about isn't the most clear thing for the untrained eye or the untrained listener. But like we always say, give, give myself or Jeff a little shout out and we could definitely help you out with any of those, any of those questions that you have, anything else that any of those other tests that you typically like to go to Jeff. The one that's pretty accurate for a full thickness tear would be called the drop arm test. It's basically you or I would help somebody get their arm up over their head and ask them to slowly lower it out to the side. And if they can't slowly lower it and control it, then that's pretty, pretty accurate in terms of a full thickness tear. Mm. Um, and I think it's important to specify that, you know, um, there's a difference between not being able to lift your arm out to the side versus it's painful to lift it out to the side. Those are two different things. Uh, a significant pain with lifting your arm out to the side is pretty consistent with a partial thickness tear. But if you can physically do it, it's just really painful, then you probably don't have a full thickness tear. A full thickness tear looks like the muscle fiber is completely torn and you can't physically lift that arm up. If you can lift it and it's, it's painful, you probably don't have a full thickness tear. It just hurts. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, that's another misconception with like full thickness tears. A lot of the times, it's not going to be like totally severed off. It's more so going to be like a hole in your, um, in your rotator cuff muscle musculature. Um, so it's not going to be a, somebody just cut your, so you think of like an Achilles, your Achilles tendon that might have to get reattached for anybody that unfortunately had that problem. Um, that's something that typically is going to just most of the time is totally going to just break into, um, it has to get totally reattached. As for the uh, rotator cuff, a lot of the times it's not going to be totally severed. It's just, like I said, going to be like full thickness holes through the uh, muscle, but it's not totally ripped in half, essentially. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of times they'll talk about the hole as being like 50% or mm -hmm. 75% rather than 100%. It's very yeah. rare that you fully, fully, fully rupture a rotator cuff. Yeah, absolutely. You must have done yeah. something pretty good to do that. That, that would have to be probably more traumatic injury. Yeah. Yeah. Like some oh, yeah. type of fall or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So diving into some of the treatments like we we're talking about, um, figure it out. Might as well start with a little manual therapy. Cause I feel like that's, that's our big forte. I would say. So what are your, some of your favorites, um, when you're getting into these rotator cuff injuries? You know, you're going to be disappointed, but I think I use manual therapy a little bit less than I did coming out of PT. Really? Two years. Yeah. Shock. Um, I don't know. If, if somebody has full use range of motion, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Um, if someone has full range of motion, you know, it's manual therapy can be effective in reducing short-term pain relief. Um, but if they have full range of motion, then I don't see a huge reason to use manual therapy, except for, like I said, pain modulation. Um, now, if somebody has discomfort in getting their arm into like that 90-90 position, which is basically arm out to the side, hand up towards the ceiling, um, I might do some APs, which is just anterior to posterior force, just some oscillations, again, to mostly pain modulation mm -hmm. and, and some stretching of those muscles too. Yep. For sure. Yeah. I was, I'd say this is one area where manual therapy isn't the biggest thing and isn't the most necessary. Obviously, like you said, doing some joint mobs just to give a little pain-free motion, just to help uh, patients participate a little bit more in therapy, uh, doing a little bit more pain-free. And then like we were talking about some, some T-spine stuff, if we have for some pain modulation, and then I like, I just like some uh, soft tissue work as well. I feel like I've had a decent amount of success with that for shoulder injuries. Um, but yeah, not a ton of manual stuff, but definitely could be, could be beneficial. Uh, you made a good point about the thoracic spine. So there's some really good research regarding uh, spinal manipulation or spinal mobilization for shoulder pain. So, you know, making sure the upper back moves well, um, there's something called regional interdependence. It's basically like if I can improve range of motion and if I can improve movement at one joint, it's going to make the surrounding joints feel better. Um, that's why I may treat the upper back in addition to, in, in addition to the shoulder. Mm. Yep, absolutely. And then kind of going into the next phase a little bit, I think there's a, a good distinction that kind of needs to be made. And we talked about this a little bit, but not directly is some people you're going to need to be stretched a little bit more. Um, and these are the people that might have stiff pecs or tight pecs, or just that anterior portion of the shoulder is just really tight just from being in that, uh, impingement position, especially if you're a golfer, but other times, like I was talking about earlier, uh, other golfers, their the rotator cuff is like overstretched. So you're not going to always be stretching everybody all the time. Uh, for some people, they need some more stability activity. So some people might need stretching. Some people might need stability work. Um, but it's not like we talked about in school. It's not like a shotgun approach. You're not just doing everything for everybody because then you have no idea what's really working. You really want to find the, the targeted um, interventions that you know people need and you need a good kind of valuation to know if they need uh, stretching and strengthening or more stability activity. Uh, so there are some of the, the differences that are seen between different kind of, uh, rotator cuff injuries. Yeah. And taking that a little bit further, I've talked previously about how the body works in this stability mobility model, like it, it alternates, right? So, um, just looking at that shoulder joint and the, the areas around it, Let's start at the thoracic spine. That's again, a mobile joint. That thing should move pretty well. You should be able to rotate pretty far. If you move to the next um, joint that's distal to that, that would be your, your shoulder blade. And that one's supposed to be stable, all right? The reason it's stable is because a lot of those rotator cuff muscles attach onto your shoulder blade. If you've got this shoulder blade that's not stable and it's moving a, a whole lot, they're less effective. And you can put a little bit more stress on the rotator cuff muscles. The shoulder joint itself is the most uh, unstable, most mobile joint in your entire body. It goes every which way. Um, 
So, you know, yeah, mobility is important at that, at that joint, but if it's hypermobile, then, and the, your shoulder blade is hypermobile and it's not as stable as it should be, then you're just, you're asking for trouble with those rotator cuff muscles. So it's, I always target, and I'm sure you do as well. We always target scapular stability, making sure that you've got some nice, strong upper back muscles to make sure that that thing's a, a nice anchor for your rotator cuff. Absolutely. There's always some type of, at least bare minimum, you're going to be clearing that on your evaluation to see what they're looking like, um, what the strength is of the scapular muscles, what the stability is there to see if that's a potential problem uh, along with the shoulder. And a lot of times it, it tends to be so. Yeah. And you know, all of us are starting to sit a little bit more. So like you said, we're starting to get more of the rounded shoulders, more of the rounded back, the tight pecs. Um, and if you've got muscle imbalances in terms of tight pecs, uh, weak upper traps, weak scapular stab- stabilizers, the thing that's right in between all of those joints is, is your shoulder. So that's going to be, unfortunately, the scapegoat for these other issues. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I think diving into strengthening a little bit more, um, the shoulder in uh, the shoulder joint in general, as well as just that whole kind of upper upper quarter is not an area that you need to go crazy throwing around like crazy weight with. It's not, it's not what the area is made for. It's not about lifting a ton of weight with those, with those muscles. Like we said, they're stabilizers. They're not, they're not power muscles for the most part. Um, so light weights and light bands are, are really going to be your best friend and not overdoing it because if you overdo it you're actually probably going to put yourself at more risk for injury um because overdoing the strengthening of those muscles is absolutely not necessary yeah really small muscles or really small weights and resistance for those muscles is still going to make a really big muscle burn um i usually give my patients like i've said before with soft tissue injuries permission to work into one or two out of ten in terms of pain or discomfort anything above that I, I love to avoid that. So if you're throwing around 10 pounds, for example, it doesn't sound like a lot for, but for your rotor tater cuff, which is really small muscles, that's just way too much resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so if you're going to adjust resistance for your smaller shoulder muscles, make sure it's just a muscle burn and not, not pain. Yep. Yeah. Like for instance, so I'll work my rotator cuff muscles in the gym. I'll go over to a uh, weight rack and I'm lit- I literally have the pin in the typically it's not going to go below like five pounds. So mm-hmm. I'm either going to have it between five and like seven and a half pounds. Um, and if I'm doing a little bit more to kind of strength focus, I'll bump it up to like 10 uh, and, and drop the reps a little bit, but I'm almost never going above like 10 pounds for my rotator cuff muscles. Yeah. And that exercise that you're most likely referring to is tucking that elbow really tight into this, your side and just pulling your hand out away from your body or pulling it across your body, depending on which way you're standing. And that works your rotator off. So that's a really good one for somebody recovering from injury or somebody that wants to focus on injury prevention. You got it. Yeah. And there's so many uh, types of exercise that you can do for uh, your internal rotators, uh, your external rotators of the shoulder, and just making a quick distinction there. Some of them are responsible for externally rotating and the others are responsible for internally rotating. Um, so there's a couple different exercises for that. There's a bunch of different exercises for the scapula 
And there's really just a lot. And there's a huge progression from simple to intermediate to advanced. Um, so that's, that's really where we're going to come into it because we have that kind of background of knowing kind of what works, what's appropriate at, at what time. And because there is so much that you can really do for the shoulder. And it's also easy. I found that it's a very irritable area of the body too. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. that's, that's kind of where our clinical expertise really shines. If you're looking for injury prevention, I don't usually tell people this a lot. Just Google rotator cuff exercises. I'm sure you'll find effective ones. Just keep the resistance low, like we said. Um, or there's a really good series of exercises called Throwers 10, which is a series of upper extremity exercises. That's a good one for uh, injury prevention. Keep the weight low. That's all I'll say. Yep, absolutely. And then kind of getting away from just that one area of, so say your left shoulder is injured or your left rotator cuff is injured, especially for like a golfer, uh, you're going to want to work on contralateral, the opposite side as well, in addition to lower extremity activity as well. Um, so kind of just like we said with your uh, hip, was it a hip patient or was it a shoulder? Uh, both. I'm treating okay. both because I, I, because I identified his hips as a reason that his shoulder may be causing. Gotcha. So yeah, that, Exactly. So we see, obviously, shoulders going to be a problem, especially if you're a golfer coming in. We're going to look up and down the chain to see what else can be causing these problems. And just like Jeff is doing, working on those hips of his one patient, uh, we're going to find different areas that can potentially be a problem and make sure make sure they're addressed as well. So whether it's um, just the shoulder, that's great. If you need the back work, if you need the hips work, that's something too. But you also want to be as symmetrical as possible on both sides um, because that can, you can run into issues with that as well. If one side of your body is totally opposite of the other. And we see that a lot of times in like over overhead athletes, especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so in terms of returning to play these, these injuries um, again, it's a soft tissue issue. Uh, you can certainly play through these issues as long as the symptom irritability is pretty low. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like courage to play through pain, but again, if it's not really affecting their swing at all, um, maybe it's for after they play, I'll, I'll be more okay with that than they're having pain during their swing. Yeah. Um, so that's going to return to play is that you can make full swings without pain during the swing. Sure. It'll feel sore after, but that's, that's fine. Yep, absolutely. And a lot of times, like I said in the beginning, rotator cuff injuries are a spectrum um, from just a little strain that you can play through to a full thickness rotator cuff. So you got to kind of just judge your symptoms. Uh, if you have any problems, go see your physical therapist. Mm -hmm. So we talked, we, we did talk about prevention. Um, so we'll kind of gloss over that part, but anything else, Dad? What was that? Anything else you wanted to add? You wanted uh, to add? No, nah, nothing really crazy. If if you have had an injury of uh, rotator cuff stuff in the past and feel like it might be cropping up again, that's a good time to maybe go see your physical therapist. Uh, any kind of tune-up that you have. Uh, we we like to, just like you have your own kind of primary care, care doctor that you go see for yearly checkups. If you have some type of musculoskeletal problem, there's no reason why you shouldn't go and, and see your, your physical therapist, um, to just get a, a yearly musculoskeletal checkup, make sure your body's functioning well. Um, not just on the inside, but on the outside, all those muscles are working 
you're moving well, not at any risk for injury. So that's that. Come see us. Yep. 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 Yeah. All right. So yeah. next next week we'll be hopping on another podcast. Uh, we're doing back to back weeks because I'm traveling. Um, but it'll be posted next week then. So next show is going to be Christmas in July. So we're going to talk about <laughs> we're going to talk about what our present wishes are for golf as a whole. Um, we're talking about you know our golf games first of all, but also what we'd like to see um, the PGA tour move towards, you know, maybe just every, everyday golfers, what we'd like to see courses move towards or, or technology. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. If anybody has any suggestions or recommendations, feel free to share those on Twitter and we'll share those on the, uh, on the next podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. So as always that, I mean, that show is going to be sick. We'll have a lot of fun with that. Um, but as always, thank you for joining us on the show as we always try and help you optimize your body and improve your game. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Jump in on the socials. Follow myself on Facebook, YouTube, mostly on Twitter at Doc Mrags. Uh, and then socials at Jeff as well at uh, Jeff Kurtz DPT on Twitter uh, and on the My TPI for Jeff because I still don't have my TPI certification. But it's coming. I promise it is now definitely definitely moving in the right direction but yeah we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a big blowout party when matt gets his <laughs> big <day I> serve. <laughs> for sure i've been talking about it since day one still don't have it but it's it's definitely on the way now that'll be our hundredth uh episode <laughs> it might be at that point but yeah that's all we got for today boys uh and girls uh we will see you next week because like jeff said he's traveling so we'll do back-to-back weeks See you next week, and uh, peace. Ignition sequence start. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Liftoff.